0: So, you fucking ready to talk about this batch? Hell oh, yeah. Are you you ready to have your mind blown for when we get to the tier list? Oh god, I I, I suppose I, so. I can't wait. We're gonna have so many unironic S's, it's gonna be imaginable. Oh, jeez. So unimaginable. So... Okay, now I'm getting kind of scared. <laughs> Given. Yeah, you better. Uh, you no. better. Welcome to the Cami Vespami Power Hour, I hope. We are a Sonic Recap Podcast, I think, and today we're going to be covering <laughs> 11 issues, but this time, with hope, we'll probably be a bit more brisk than last. Mm. But, you know, given 11 issues, we're probably going to be going on for some time. I don't know how long we're gonna be. We'll see. Yeah. Oh. Uh- you want to started with issue 18, or is that anything you want to go over before we start? Unfortunately, I don't have much to go over with, because some of these issues did have additional notes from Penders on his website, but unfortunately, a lot of them just link to 404 four pages, so we don't get to have funny ha-ha notes from the man. And for now, recap zone... Sally finally has her vest (laughs)
1: She
0: finally actually resembles her cartoon counterpart Mm. Wedding Bell Blues Sonic and Sally are planning for their wedding. Robotnik catches wind of this and attempts to crash it, only to be thwarted by Sonic and told that it's actually a play that they're forming
1: (sighs) I can't believe they ripped off Spongebob Trooper Square Damn! Like yeah, fun the fun time, time dilation. Them
0: off. I was, I was about to say, I don't, I don't think Sonic is experiencing time dilation. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know what you mean. I just want to be mean. But um, okay. speaking of me being mean, I'm gonna torment you by outing you as a massive Motobug fan because we got to see a bit more Badniks <laughs> this time, including Motobug, your beloved. <laughs> Yeah, I actually did write that down my notes like, oh shit, the motobug showed up. Like only
1: like one of the most iconic sonic
0: uh right. <laughs> Literally one of, of the first ones you even see, and it's taken them what, eighteen issues to finally show up.
1: And it's also miscolored. It's like purple yeah, with a yellow it. face.
0: <laughs> yeah, purple motobug. We also got Bat Brain, who did appear in the unreleased story, so this is their debut, for the most part. I think they did technically appear, like, in an earlier... Well, they get a speaking role this time. And for some reason, they also speak in a very thick German accent, and I don't understand why. Is it meant to be Transylvanian? That's what I was gonna say, since it's a bat. Yeah. it, It was just weird. It's just always so weird writing, like, thick accents in text... I'm not really a big fan of that myself. Yeah, Not much to say about this one. So then we move on to, in the still of the night, Princess Sally's Crusade Part 2. And I think we're going to just go on a full recap before giving our thoughts on this. Because it does spill out into Sonic in Your Face, the annual. And so I think we're going to just go on and recap both stories, and then give our thoughts on the story as a whole, because it's Work a lot. Me. Rotor investigates the orb from before, uh, trying to explain what's going on with it. Sonic basically goes, in English, Poindexter. But Sally gets called away for something important. She finds out that Julela, which I always kept misreading as Julaya, um, Sally's mentor is on her deathbed. They reminisce, talking about their teachings and how she grew up alongside Sally before concluding that she's grown wise enough to face something. She's ready for something before ultimately passing away. Sally reflects and mourns in solitude before Sonic joins her, reassuring her that there's many tomorrows ahead, many more tomorrows ahead. In the quest Princess Sally's Crusade conclusion, Sally... Takes inventory of Julayla's estate, finding many things like a hope chest that was made to be opened on the day of Sally's wedding, Sally's vest because she wasn't wearing it in the previous story. They just sort of yeah. forgot that she was wearing it in the, the wedding story because yeah. these stories are being read in, in parallel, and a map with instructions that are meant to be followed in the event of something. She trails off because she's tired, but it's assumed that is either the event. ...of Julela's passing or Sally being ready. Restless, unable to sleep, Sally gets out of a bed and makes her way to the weird orb thing, revealing herself to be the Nicole PDA from the cut story now properly introduced in canon, Hmm. reminding Sally of someone who encouraged her to make her own decisions, perhaps Julela herself... Julela's final will and testament tasks Sally to go to the Forbidden Zone, a place that even Robotnik dares not to tread, trying to find oneness of the soul there. She attempts to go alone, but the Freedom Fighters, Sonic and co, ass- insist that they go alongside her. The Forbidden Zone is basically just a cave. Uh, they encounter several different robots, including a gigantic cyclops, a Griffin and a two-headed dragon, of which one tells truths and another tells lies. I was gonna say, this dragon reminded me a lot of that one- Isn't there, like, a boss like this in Zelda? Maybe. I think so, (laughs) yeah. The group easily deal with the various enemies, and Sally ends up using her wisdom to outsmart the dragon. They make it to the end of the Forbidden Zone, finding a replica of Julela's Hope Chest, which contains a document- Sally in the present does not understand its significance, but we cut ahead two decades into the future where Sally reflects upon this moment. We are told that this is a future in which Robotnik has been defeated. Sally and Sonic are nobility, married with kids, and King Acorn... Now retired, is alive and well. We show that Rotor ends up rebuilding Nicole as they were destroyed in whatever climatic battle happened between the Freedom Fighters and Robotnik. Rotor puts Nicole in the orb from before, sending them back into the past using the time portal they discovered. And it's revealed that Nicole was a gift to Sally from Sally, aiming to be a friend for her in her time or need She realizes, reflecting, that Faith in herself was what she needed all along, and the story ends reflecting upon the six simple words written in Julayla's hope box, to thine own self be true. What the fuck? Yeah! A closed time loop? Yeah, this is... What? I... (laughs) um,
1: I have uncertain feelings on how I... uh, I do not know how I feel about this story, it just... Putting that aside, it just feels incredibly jarring for what, even like, with the comics taking like a slightly more serialized and somewhat serious turn. This just feels completely out of left field and almost like a separate canon from the other comics. Absolutely.
0: It just feels so weird to have a story in which we cut ahead 20 years into the future the day is saved bunny is not roboticized anymore king acorn is alive and well we don't know what happens to uncle chuck or Mutsky because they were not drawn in this flash forward it's just so weird it's just so weird yeah. that we just have a story where it's like hey we're gonna cut ahead to when the heroes are victorious it's like what mm. what the fuck and we're just gonna have a, like, a closed time loop where Sally gave Nicole to herself. The thing
1: that also kind of threw me off about that is, like, I was almost thinking when, like, uh, like, with her, with Nicole's, like, introduction, she says, uh, when, like, uh, she introduced, uh, her first line afterwards, I would be your friend, but that is a choice only you can make. And Sally so says, You remind me very much of someone else who always encouraged me to make my own decisions. Which I'm assuming, like, this probably is meant to be like a Sonic or something. But I was thinking Sonic or Jayla. Oh, yeah, fair. But I was thinking, actually, like, in the moment, I thought this was referring to something to do with the, the cartoon, since this is based after it. It reminded me of a cut concept, like a concept they were going to tackle later on in the show before it got cancelled about Nicole. I think it was like like, Nicole being a friend of Sally's who was like put into the computer and then they would have to like free her or something. I was actually thinking that was going to be what, like, like they were like uh, building up to reveal that later on or something. No, like it's a time loop thing.
0: Neat. Yeah, I I don't understand what they're going with and so I guess it just explains, furthermore, why what's oldest Newt again ended up getting scraps because you know, as we mentioned in the previous episode, Nicole was just mail-ordered yeah. by Sally, it's just like but instead it's a... <laughs> it's so,
1: like, weirdly, like, placed in, like, oh, yeah, my Nicole came in, like, in the middle of, like, out of nowhere in the story. It's just, it was just so weird and random. Yeah, that's what threw me, that's part of what threw me off when I was reading through it, like, the first time, like, it made me wonder, like, is this... Was this, like, original, like, story that got cut, or was this made after the fact? Yeah, I don't fucking know. But you ever think, like, putting the time loop crap aside, what also just threw me off, along with the more serious tone, was the, like, the amount of importance they're putting on so- uh, Sonic. Sally's royal heritage, and, like, her being a princess and all of this, like, which is, like, sure, the, like, some mentions of, like, King Acorn, like, they gotta rescue him, and... Sally's a princess, and Antoine was, like, her royal guard or something, but, like, it feels like that was just kind of a footnote to Sally's character beforehand. Like, she was just, like, the the team girl, at least until Sally came along, uh, Sunny, Bunny came along, but it just felt so jarring, like, we learned all this backstory about her and, like, her, like, a beloved mentor Jalela and her past with Sonic and like it just felt so jarring, especially like I guess it's like I kinda assume that the the miniseries was going to be RedCon, but it just felt weird reading through this. Like the first issue in particular with like the first two parts of this in particular felt like a recap comic for something that doesn't exist. Like like Yeah. Like, there's, like, in another universe, there, Sally had her own story, like, uh, like, going through, like, uh, this before Mobotropolis was taken over and her, like, like her, like, uh, adventures and stuff. Like, it just, it just feels so weird. Like, this is more of a, an adaptation of Sally M than, a. Uh, part of the sonic comics currently
0: yeah i did just think it was really weird how we just have this story that like starts off like with a previous like two issues ago now where it's like oh sally's just like pining after like sonic whatever and i'm like okay yeah and then we have our actual first blood of the story in which we have sally's mentor that we did not know anything about <laughs> on their deathbed and it's like yeah i get that like you know sometimes you have to you end up wanting to show death to children at a young age they yeah. can like like be able to understand the concept but it did just feel absolutely out of left field to just be like hey here's sally's mentor she's dying deathbed <laughs> like i'd like usually expect like if you're going to be showing death to kids, it's usually just, you know, like like a heroic sacrifice, you know? And it's not just like, I mean, oh, like like something that is actually probably something that kids are going to have to deal with in like a very deeply traumatic way. And it's like, huh, I, mean, I, feel, I don't know, this just feels weird. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like an, an old
1: mentor dying of old age isn't really something new, but it's more just the fact like... Like you said, we don't know Jalila before this point. Like, this is the first time we're seeing her and, like, hearing about her. As it's probably, like, saying, like, if you're a kid, like, it probably would maybe have an effect. But, like, I don't know. It just it just felt weird, like, we're learning about this mentor character as, as they're already dying. Yeah. Like, without any, like, any hints that Sally did have any sort of training, like, special royal training or special mentor like it, it just feels ju- weird. And even though I do. I at the very least, I do like that we're we are starting to move away from her. I, even if that they do put a big emphasis on her relationship with Sonic, that at the very least, it does feel like Sally is like taken a bit more seriously, even if it is still in like a the lover trusty kind of handling of her. It, yeah,
0: she's still just lovey-dovey to Sonic, like in the wedding story. She's like, "Oh, we're gonna, when are we gonna get married for real, Sonic?" And it's like, eh. it's you can tell a lot of these stories are written in parallel with each other, and so as a result, there's a gr- like we're hitting, we are actually hitting the point here where things are starting to get more story-like and more serialized. But we're still getting in parallel, more jokey, episodic stories. So it's not, like, immediate shift like I honestly thought it was going to be. It's still a gradual phasing in yeah. that is going to be happening over the course of this and the next batch. And so it's just weird how we're going to be getting along with these stories, which are, like, much more serious and much, like, better paced. But then there's just gonna be some dumbass, boring-ass stories of just, like, Sonic and friends fucking around it's yeah. it's going to be weird it's it's just a weird section that like i mentioned before it's kind of a growing pain situation you could say that the sonic comics had a rough
1: transition to serialization
0: so going back to issue 18 there was one that. sonic gram that i thought was absolutely insane from sinasi alessandro in germany Dear Sonic, I have just one question. Why did you replace such a brilliant and highly skilled penciler like Scott Shaw with someone comparatively poor drawing talents like Dave Manak? When Damn. I got issue one of the Sonic miniseries, it is the best thing I've seen on the comic market for years. But since you let Dave Manak do the artwork, the quality has changed from absolutely sensational to absolute rubbish. After I've gone through to get some of these comics here in Germany, it really breaks my heart to see them getting worse with every issue. So what happened to Scott Shaw? His drawings were excellent! And you need a perfect way to bring speed, action, and adventure into the stories, the comics drawn by Dave Minak looks like he just wants to get the job done as fast as possible, without any real sense for what he is doing. A character like Sonic has a lot of charisma, and with the support of Sega and a running cartoon series, your comic might last for a reasonable time. <laughs> if you want it to become a real and ongoing success, you gotta try to get Scott Shaw back to do the drawing. I am almost sure that you won't print this letter because it contains negative criticism, but I'd appreciate if you would write back to tell me your point of view. Yes, this letter comes from Germany, so please excuse all the errors I've made during the translation. And it's like, wow. dude, all he did was the miniseries. His art wasn't that yeah, great. But, like, it's not terrible, I, but it's not really that great it, either. It's
1: so funny to me because I actually thought Dave Manack's art was like, kind of better.
0: <laughs> I'm going to be honest... At this point, until a later issue in this episode, I could not tell you who did what for the art. Mm, like,
1: that's fair. The
0: only reason I noticed that Sonic's spines were different in the previous episode was because I was doing research for the issues, because I was curious on some things and found that out from some fandom wikis. Like, the art's not terrible. Like, Manax art isn't terrible, or neither is uh, Shaw's art. But they're just, like, imperceptibly different for me. Like, I did not even notice the difference, honestly. I thought,
1: like... Like, I remember, like, the first few issues looked all right. But I think, like, like, there was, like, some improvement when, like, he started drawing. But, like... I'm
0: sure, but there's there's still an overlap. mm, There's still an overlap in the styles. I will
1: say, like, on the topic of artists, I was not a fan of... Going back to the Sally story, I'm not a fan of Art Mawinney's style for, uh... Her comics, both the this and like the Sally miniseries, it just looks really stiff to me with how they do yeah. expressions. Especially, it's very noticeable with Sonic and Tails. Like they just have like this kind of like blank, uh, wide-eyed face. Like in pretty much all of their panels, like, the only one that looks okay yeah. is like Sally. Like she at least seems kind of expressive.
0: I have things to say about that art, but we'll get there when we get there. Fair enough cuz we'll have to wait a bit more right. for that. Um going back to Sonic in your face, now that we've done recapping the Sally story split across 3 issues. This is the issue that pretty much anyone with a cursory knowledge of Archie knows about because it's the one with the absolutely horrifying Sonic roller coaster <laughs> art that the game grumps saw. <laughs> Yeah, it's a weird-looking cover. The one thing that stood out to me, though, other than, the you know, how terrifying it is, is that it says on the side next to where the corner box is, it shows the logo for Sonic and Knuckles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, as we're going to get into these next two stories, there's no Knuckles. There's no Sonic and Knuckles in this. I'm just so confused about that. Like,
1: looking over the scan to see if there's something I might have.
0: Like it's
1: like there, it says on the scan that we have like 36 pages, so maybe there was. I we still get like the pen ups in here, like though they're like uh like two page spreads that are like on one page, on, like a one page of the PDF
0: reader that I'm using. But yeah, but there's, there's no just... knuckles. Yeah, like yeah, like. There's... Like, we don't have the fan art, we don't have the sonic Rams, unfortunately, but we do have like the pin up illustrations and the two stories here and as we're about to get into, there's no knuckles yeah, i what I'm the just hell? so confused about that. We do get the debut of our penciler color and scripter, patrick spa patrick spaz spaziante, which that's a yeah loaded uh, nickname
1: unfortunate uh, nickname being spaz which I know it's not yeah. I know it's more of a, an appropriate inappropriate term for Europe, but still it just it feels awkward because it's it's like the whole like gay lord thing. Like it's one of those just kind of last names that like obviously like if it, it's not meant to be something offensive, but like it it kinda unfortunately comes off that way yeah. in more recent times.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's a shame too, I you know. will say though Oh, sorry. I was gonna
1: say, like, it's a shame too, because Spaziante's art is—I really like the style of it, but it just feels weird. Saying his his
0: nickname. Yeah, I think Spaziante was the first time I actually noticed like a solid change in art style because Sonic looks way more dynamic, way more like
1: mm-hmm.
0: you would expect to see in like the Sonic OVA or like the Sonic CD animations. And honestly, especially once he starts doing stories for the main issues i think Spaziante is probably my favorite artist yeah definitely mine so far and so let's get into the stories with the mirror zone <laughs> not much to talk it's- about it's just it's the gimmick one sonic and tails go to the mirror zone to find robotnik's top secret message because a swat bot is trying to escort it and the whole gimmick is that everything is reversed and yeah. so you gotta hold it out to a mirror so see what they're saying. The message isn't even anything. It's just a mirror mirror on the wall bit. Yeah. It's it's nothing. I was kinda of disappointed with that. Like
1: I was hoping for something. Yeah.
0: Tails Tallest Tale, it's a solo adventure featuring Tails. He stumbles upon Sonic-Con and is immediately pushed into making a speech about Sonic, which he then immediately takes to lying about him single-handedly taking out Robotnik. Then Robotnik actually shows up, and he gets absolutely trounced. But one of the fans of Sonic goes in to stand-up, and that motivates Tails to think outside the box. And Tails spins himself really fast by keeping his tails in place and spinning the rest <laughs> of his body so that he can hypnotize Robotnik. And then Robotnik falls over a Humpty Dumpty bit, Tails is a hero, because he gets to actually save the day for himself for once, without Sonic's intervention, and then they go back and do a proper speech off-screen. Yeah. I mean, it's cute yeah. that Tails gets to actually save the day, but... Yeah, it was alright story. It was alright. It feels like uh, the kind of story you'd see in, like, Adventures uh, with Tails. Yeah. It's very much an Adventures-esque story. Like, I know we're not in the opinion zone, but, man... This is a kind of a disappointing annual. Like yeah. it's cool we got the completion of the Sally story, but then like one gimmick story and then like an actual story and it's like, oh, that wasn't actually that much. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know what the rest of
1: our annuals are gonna be like, but just like going off the covers, it at least seems like we're gonna be getting some more interesting stories when we get to future supersonic annuals.
0: Yeah with issue 19 we go into night of a thousand oh, sonics <sighs> the freedom fighters investigate a portal that opens up and ejected from the portal is a cyborg sonic he reveals that he's from a world in which all of the freedom fighters were turned to cyborgs by robotnik but because they were cyborgs and not fully roboticized they were able to absolutely trounce robotnik who, in a last-ditch effort, ended up roboticizing himself, becoming far more powerful than anyone could have anticipated. Cyborg Sonic flees onto the cosmic interstate to find others to try and help against Robotnik, and ends up in the dimension of our sonic and they end up recruiting other Sonics from other dimensions (laughs) to try and stop Robotnik from the cyber dimension, who we do learn to be titled Robo-Robotnik, The tier list is in fucking shambles. (laughs) I (laughs) figured. Like, I knew we were going to get into multiverse shit before we even started reading the comic, but holy shit, there's so many Sonics. (laughs) Like, there's, like, ones that are literally just, like, X-Men and DC Comics characters, but Sonic, and I think one of them is actually just straight-up Jughead. Yeah, there's one that's,
1: like, a... a Forget the actor's name. A classic cowboy guy, with twins' eyes, like a samurai. A Clint Sonic. Eastwood. Clint Eastwood. Yeah, thank you. Uh, like two strong men, like like one like just buff, like buff, angry, Sonic, yeah, the other was like a strong man with a curly mustache.
0: It's going to be something when we get to the tier list. that I'll figure it out another time. In the meantime. <laughs> the- They hold a meeting of the minds, a transdimensional meeting of the minds of all the Sonics when Robo-Robotnik storms in to try and take over. Our Robotnik ends up stopping him. And we get a weird bit in which the Robo-Robotnik SWAT bots and our Robotnik SWAT bots are all destroyed into conflict. And kids are encouraged to cut open their comic books to stitch their... To make their own SWAT bots, because they're all, like, in pieces in one panel. Again. It's really weird. I just
1: wonder if there is, like, a blank page on the other side, or you're actually meant to cut out your own comic book.
0: (laughs) We learn that our Robotnik does this because he wants to be the one to rule the known universes, not just, not that (laughs) Robotnik. And so they end up forming an uneasy truce between him and all of the Sonics. And they're tasked with going to the Neutral Zone inside the <laughs> Cosmic Interstate to achieve the Giant's Hand, because our Robotnik surmises that Robo-Robotnik would probably try and go for that to try and conquer all the dimensions. And we see the Giant's Hand. It's just the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, It's literally just the Infinity Gauntlet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, we know that Penders is a big fan of... uh Uh, Jack Kirby, so... Yeah. Not too surprised. basically. Like, it's not just, like, any... It doesn't work just like the Infinity Gauntlet, but it does look like a very
0: blatant copy of it. And so we end up having all of the Sonics go into the cosmic interstate to try and achieve the Giant's Hand, but then, at the last moment, evil Sonic comes out, trying to take the Giant's Hand for himself to give them to Robo-Robotnik, and they end up teleporting the hand to Robo-Robotnik... And Robo-Robotnik uses it to form the Giant Borg, a titanic mech capable of destroying everything in its path. It's then immediately destroyed by all of the Sonics all at once, knocking it off balance as it's trying to stomp on them. And then they take all the pieces of the Giant Borg, and each Sonic takes it into (laughs) their respective dimension as souvenir so that it can't be rebuilt in the future. Fun fact: The uh, giant Borg is apparently a reference to an old '80s anime
1: called uh, *Giant Gorg*. The first of many uh, references to anime that will be seen in the comics. Oh, great! And is a weeb. Fuck. Yep. <laughs> 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 uh, you, you don't know the ha- You don't know the half of the anime bullshit uh. we're gonna get later on. Uh, <laughs>
0: I don't have anything to note in the Sonic Rams this time other ah, than the fact that they open it up with saying, howdy doody, and that (sighs) made me laugh. Issue 20, which for me was probably the turning point, honestly. Mm. We get some interesting stories here, such as, that's the spirit, Sonic and Sally are infiltrating a Robotnik base to destroy an anti-matter machine. Robotnik separates the two and reveals that it was a trap as he was unable to actually successfully build the antimatter machine. Sonic uses a homemade bomb by Rotor to try and destroy the antimatter machine anyway and makes for an escape, but trips and falls on a loose cable. Massive explosion. Sally is convinced that Sonic is dead and relays the bad news to everyone else. And honestly, like, we know that that's not going to be the case... But if Sonic actually died, him literally going "oops" and tripping on a cable would be the funniest way to kill off the main character ever.
1: I didn't really think about that yet. Yeah, that is. <laughs> it makes me think of the fucking pie after SpongeBob. The end of it when SpongeBob oh, yeah. trips and drops the
0: bomb. Pie. <laughs> it was. It was just the funniest thing to me, just <laughs> seeing Sonic just trip on a wire. And like they're like they cut it like between advertisements, so it's like, oh, this Sonic actually dead, and it's like, of course not. But also like imagine the world in which that was actually the case. That would be the most insane way to kill off your main character. Yeah, this
1: is never one of those issues with like a very like uh, a clickbaity look, uh, clickbaity like a cover with
0: like uh, uh, the Freedom
1: Fighters honoring. The memory of Sonic.
0: Everyone's convinced Sonic is dead, Broder, makes a really <laughs> shitty wooden statue I in love memoriam. I so
1: much. That genuinely cracked <laughs> me up. Because <laughs> I was expecting it to look like the statue on the cover, and not this, like, shitty, like, wood uh, carving of Sonic that very looks like him because apparently yeah. Tails is their best artist and Tails does not believe that Sonic is the only
0: one that does not believe that Sonic is dead yeah, Tails is just absolutely adamant that Sonic is alive <laughs> and so we do see that Sonic is in fact alive or at least able to exist and he makes his way to the Freedom Fighters where none of them seem to be able to respond to him no one can see him or hear him and so Sonic believes he's a ghost until just going away in grief, wandering aimlessly, he realizes he's still, enabled, he's still able to interact with the local wildlife. And for some reason, one of them can hear him, despite the fact that he literally mentions that none of the his friends can hear him, but whatever. And basically realizes the anti-matter machine probably just made him invinci- invisible anyway. He sees a letter from Tails who, again, is fully convinced that Sonic is still alive, telling them that they're going to make one final storm of Robotnik's space to avenge <laughs> Sonic's heroic sacrifice.
1: It also cracked me up as well, his letter. Dear Sonic, I know you're alive, so I left this note. We're on our way to Robotropolis to avenge your death, your loyal pal Tails. P.S. If you're not dead, if you are dead... And pay no attention to this letter. <laughs> oh
0: yeah, that was a really good bit. That was that was really funny. It's weirdly the, one of the funniest issues like, to me so far. Absolutely. And so Sonic catches up with the Freedom Fighters, and despite the fact that he's aware that he can be heard, has a different plan up his sleeve, in which... Robotnik and Snively are going to try and intercept the Freedom Fighters in their own ship, but Sonic stows away and convinces Robotnik that the ghost of Sonic is haunting him. <laughs> and Robotnik, scared out of his mind, follows Sonic's commands, and it's just another fat joke. Sonic and Eggman, uh, Robotnik needs to work out more and all that, and so they, leave, they drop out of the ship, and Sonic catches up with the Freedom Fighters, the antimatter invisibility having worn off at this point and catches them up to speed, pun unintended, of what the situation was. It's a neat little story. Yeah. I liked the premise, even if it was just a bit frustrating that we're still getting fat jokes. It's just, it's feeling more and more out of place when we're getting these fat jokes, given we're in this transitionary period into being more serialized, and all that more seriously toned as well. yeah. I was kind of surprised that, like, a, like the fake-out death story it was honestly one of the funniest stories so far to me. It was really good. am going to cover another Sonic, Sonicgram real quick before we get into the next story. One kid asks Knuckles why they're purple, and I was really confused about that. It might be colorblind, I guess. Maybe. And then we get another insane letter from Mark Cooper in Sydney, Florida. <laughs> Dear Sonic, I am your... Biggest fan. I think you're the coolest, good looking, fastest thing on the planet, and we have a lot in common. I like chili dogs, you like chili dogs. I like speed, you like speed. <laughs> I think you're cool and you think I'm cool. I hate robotnik and you hate robotnik. You have a cool girlfriend, I don't. And that's the problem. Sonic, I don't have a girlfriend, but I have a great idea. Why don't you ask Sally to And I know this will probably sound crazy To have a daughter And that daughter will be my girlfriend Oh god We did get a response to that But it just completely glosses over That last section As you would expect
1: Oh my god
0: (laughs) I don't know if at this point We know that Sally is 15, because we do get mentioned in one sonogram that she's 15 in this chronology. But at this point, we definitely know that Sonic's 15 in this chronology. And I know it's a kid writing in, but even still, holy fuck, (laughs) dude. Holy fuck. a (laughs) kid. Why would your first thought be, yeah, Sally, have a baby, and then I'll date that baby? Like, why... I don't like, why can't kid... he just be like, hey, Sonic introduce me to someone? Or, like, I can I kidding. have Sally, yeah. you know?
1: Not, that's why I thought it was gonna go until I, like, I was reading along on the letter, and I got to that like, oh no, why? Oh no. <laughs> I hope this is a kid or just, that does not realize that this does not work that way. <laughs> <laughs> I I thought I really was going to say, like, why would you get Sally to, like, introduce me to one of her friends or something? Like, not... Yeah.
0: (laughs) Weird-ass comment. So bizarre. But then, going back a bit, we get to a solo Princess Sally adventure, deadliest of the species, the prologue. Sally is on her own infiltrating a Badnik base, setting up to blow it up. On her way out, she's accosted by a British skunk. I don't I, uh, Jesus, I don't know their nationality. It's it's mm, very accent written, I'm assuming British. Yeah. Given they make a Majesty's Secret Service, but right. known as Jeffrey Saint John, self professed leader of the rebel underground. Sally is doubtful of his story And we end right here on a cliffhanger, announcing an upcoming Princess Sally miniseries. Oh, boy. (laughs) Do you want to talk about that now, or, uh, like, go for the next two issues? Let's see. Well, chronologically, it's right now, so let's just go through it right now. Okay, good. Written by Ken Penders. I was, for some reason, dreading this as we were approaching this. I don't know. Like, I knew nothing about it, but just something about it just made me think, oh no, what's gonna happen here? Yeah, I don't blame and so, you. so, <laughs> like with the other Sally story, I'm just gonna recap all of it and then we're gonna go back to the top. Sure. Sally and Jeffrey escape a SWAT bot ambush, reconvening with the trainee freedom fighters. Hamlin, the short-tempered pig. Penelope, the loyal, animal-loving platypus, according to a recap thing in the next issue. Arlo, the courageous and self-sacrificing armadillo, And Dylan, the spiritually anchored member of the group, who I'm only guessing is a porcupine, it's unclear. They look like a- most of these new freedom fighters look like a cross between Care Bears and an (laughs) anti-drug PSA. Yeah, these are weird-ass designs. They don't look right. Hamlin and Jeffrey are immediately at odds with each other. Jeffrey not making a good first impression by immediately attacking Hamlin, thinking him to be the enemy. But after mediating between the two, Sally recaps the mission. The base that was destroyed in the previous part was actually an energy substation of Robotnik. And Rotor believes that destroying two more of these substations will take out Robotnik's defenses, allowing them to storm Robotropolis by land. The rest of the story covers them destroying the second substation, and at night, Jeffrey leaves for an unknown base, remarking, Soon, my love. Soon. over top another Princess Sally enclosed in a stasis pod. The second issue begins once again with Hamlin and Jeffrey fighting. They did also fight yet again when they were dealing with the second substation. But now they make their way to the third substation using Rotor's newest invention, something he dubs a hang glider. This- and they make it into Robotnik's substation... Though not without casualties, as Arlo is shot down, broken leg, and Penelope stays behind to make sure they're safe. They destroy the substation and go back to Penelope and Arlo and realize they're nowhere to be found. They decide against the wishes of some of the members of the trainee Freedom Fighters to make their way back to their camp, hoping that they made it back on their own. Once again, at nightfall. (sighs) Jeffrey does sus shit by kidnapping Princess Sally in her sleep, <laughs> placing her in a second pod besides the doppelganger and revealing himself to be a double agent to Ivor Robotnik, the doppelganger from the first issue is revealed to be a robot made to lure the Freedom Fighters into a trap. In the final issue of the miniseries, the Freedom Fighters storm Robotropolis, dispatching of Robotnik's robots before confronting the man himself. Jeffrey is revealed to be a traitor, as is Sally, being a robot doppelganger to Robotnik. Robotnik plans to make more doppelgangers of Sonic and Tails to fully quell the resistance, and moves to roboticize the real Princess Sally in the stasis pod. The stasis pod blows up as it's revealed that that's actually the robot Sally, and Jeffrey was actually playing Robotnik all along. Jumping ahead a bit, because this is described in post, It's revealed that the Sally kidnapped in the end stinger of Issue 2 was actually the robot this whole time. The robot being the one we were actually following across the first two issues, and that was prematurely activated without Robotnik knowing. The real Sally was the one that was in stasis revealed at the stinger for the first issue. This allowed the group to trick Robotnik and gain the upper hand. As mentioned, the roboticizer exploded, hitting a feedback loop, trying to roboticize that which was already a robot. But they're unable to stop Robotnik as he activates the self-destruct sequence for the building they're in and escapes. Sally dubs the dipshit squad full-fledged freedom fighters! gets kissed by Jeffrey and leaves once more for Knothole, now uncertain as she holds love for two individuals. As you could tell by that part, I didn't much care for this miniseries. I thought the new Freedom Fighters were boring, and I thought Hamlin was very annoying.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't really... I don't think I disliked it as much as you did, but I certainly didn't care for this.
0: I didn't hate like, it. It was just a, underwhelming.
1: Kind of this, yeah, agreed. Like, I just didn't... like. I, I'm, if, I'm pretty much in the same thing as you. Like, I didn't care about the new Freedom Fighter rookies. Jeffrey the annoying. I actually kind of liked
0: Jeffrey. I just thought I, the Freedom I, Fighters I, balanced and ranged from having no personality to just being fucking annoying like Hamlin.
1: Yeah, though yeah, the new... Like, they just... The only one that stood out to me was Hamlin, because he, and he, like, they're, like, they try to, like, give them, like, more depth, to, like, try to make them more distinguished in, like, the recap thing for the second
0: part. Yeah, like, all the adjectives I gave that, aside from being short-tempered for Hamlin, were... Loosely paraphrased from the recap in the second issue, like how Dylan is the spiritually anchored one of the group.
1: Whatever that means. Like, they all just seem kind of level-headed and kind and will, uh, like willing to work with Jeffrey while Hamlin is just grumpy asshole. Like, does, I, I somewhat understandably doesn't trust Jeffrey, but at the same time, I just... I don't give a shit about Hamlin. I found his, like, conflict with Jeffrey repetitive. I do think, like, the story, like, itself is all right. I, like, kind of like the gambit with, uh, it did kind of throw me off,
0: like. Yeah, it did feel kind of smart, honestly.
1: Yeah, like, I did at least, I think I did notice, like, the, like, the, I think I might have noticed, like, the color of, like, Sally's jacket being
0: off. Oh, right. That was something I forgot to mention, is that Sally's jacket between her and her robot doppelganger are actually slightly different colors than they do, like, basically go, oh, go back into previous issues and check, you know?
1: Yeah, that was kind of clever, but, like, I like the story itself. It's a fine, like, action story. Like, it's... It's, it's alright, like... It's, like, a, it's kind of like just a, a basic, like, 22-minute action story yeah. for ki- children, like, you would see in, like, I don't know, like... Like, probably, like, that a.m. itself. Like, yeah. I could see, like, something like this being done in an actual episode of the show. Like, it's fine. But, like, it's kind of underwhelming for, like, a... It was a little
0: underwhelming for our first proper mini miniseries for Sonic. The love triangle angle of Jeffrey, Sally, and Sonic just made me cringe. Oh, like, I'm, I'm trying to be open-minded towards Ken's stuff. Because right now... Penders' stories are probably the ones that I actually give a shit about, but also why do we need to have a three-way with Sally, Jeffrey, and Sonic? For drama. For drama's sake. Uh, Like,
1: I I don't know when this is going to come to a head, but I'm sure we're going to deal with some love triangle bullshit uh, sooner or later. (sighs) Uh, And see, it still just kind of confused me, because I don't know if them, if Sally and Sonic are a couple or not, because it feels like these stories are still in a different continuity from uh, the current Sonic
0: story. And even then, in the current Sonic stories, it seems like they can't decide either. Yeah,
1: it's just weird. Like, I know it's, like, at least at the moment, not too serious, but, like, it's still just kind of distracting to me. Like, they sometimes it's Will, they won't They Sometimes it seems like they are a couple. So, yeah. It's also just gross to me. Like, if they are a couple, then it's kind of shitty of Sally to, like, lead uh, Jeffrey, like, uh, follow along with Jeffrey's,
0: like, uh, flirting and ki- uh, kiss. Like It's ugh. also kind of gross, because Jeffrey basically just throws himself on to Sally. It's really... Yeah. Really weird. It's really gross. It's like the
1: typical kind of like how love it, like this kind of like actiony love interest uh, stuff is handled. Like I feel like it's of its time, unfortunately.
0: Issue twenty one. We get phases of Eve. Robotnik invents a metallic life form known as Eve, capable of adapting and learning endlessly in order to try and vanquish Sonic and his friends. The fight between Sonic and Eve goes on for several rounds, with Eve evolving in changing forms, using both the brain cells of Robotnik and the body cells of Sonic because they took a quill from him in the first fight. And ends up ultimately at Robotnik's base, where Eve evolves into their final form, becoming an absolutely terrifying tentacle brain abomination thing. It looks like when you zoom into someone's face in a 3D game and you see (laughs) their eyes and mouth.
1: I was gonna say, it's like a
0: weird fucked
1: up mother brain from Metroid. Like a weird, like, cyber mother brain.
0: Absolutely terrifying. (laughs) Eve turns on Robotnik, viewing him as her greatest limitation, as his cells provided not intelligence, but evil, which got quickly overpowered by Sonic's desire for freedom. Eve fucking vaporizes Robotnik, killing him where he stands, and is about to do the same with Sonic, when Sonic reasons that she's programmed for destruction and death. But that's her true limitation, is that she should be able to think for herself and beat her programming. Convinced by this, having the full awareness of having free will, Eve just goes out into space to live out her freedom. As a giant butterfly creature. And Snively just snaps and is like, Get out, get the fuck out of here. And Sonic's just like, okay, he needs some time to himself. And the story ends with Sonic remarking that this is probably not the last they've seen of the Doctor. <laughs> Single story for the entire issue. First issue for- <laughs> illustrated by Scott. Not Scott. By First issue illustrated by Spaz. And holy shit, yeah. is probably one of my favorite issues up yeah. to this point. <laughs>
1: Like, there's a good reason they kept this as a single story, because, like, the, I feel like it would have taken away from the rest of it if, like, if they had to, like, cut it down some or throw in, like, some goofy little thing uh, in the middle or after it. Like, this is definitely, like, both, like, writing-wise and art-wise one of my favorite issues so far. Like, Patrick Speciante's art, like, was really well-suited for this. Like, it... Have like, like you said, like, it looks a lot like the, uh, the OVA or the CD intro and outro, uh, cutscene, like, but still, like, very much its own and very expressive. Like I really love how he draws Robotnik, honestly. Yeah, I love his, like, take on the Robotnik design. It's a lot more expressive and, like, more menacing, like, it, like, it kind of shrinks down his head some. Like, it's kind of like the. It's still like the uh, Satayam design, but
0: a slightly more, I guess, anime-esque, I suppose. He's more animated, more villainous. Mm. He feels more squishy and has more sense of weight to him, like a weird flesh monster blob of evil. <laughs> way to just- put it really entertaining seeing this depiction of Robotnik compared to the more blase, bland kind of look for him in the other one. Like, he's not bad with the other artists, but he just looks more like it's the character from the cartoon whereas Patrick makes him look like his own entity, like his own interpretation of Mm -hmm. Robotnik, and I thought that was much more interesting.
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: The Sonic Rams don't have much here. Other than, I believe, Sonic and Knuckles being referred to as Sonic 5, which is really funny. <laughs> no, I think it's, in a previous one, Sonic and Knuckles is referred to as Sonic 4, and someone is asking for a Sonic 5. And it was just really <laughs> funny to me. <laughs> oh, God. Um, one of the kids writes in and basically picks on the person who was dumping on the artist from before. I thought was pretty funny, (laughs) but that takes us to issue 22, The Return. We cut back to the future 20 years apart, in which Robotnik appears briefly to King Sonic and his family. Sonic just awkwardly snaps at Sally, saying that Robotnik is definitely gone, and he witnessed it. We follow Robotnik as he's taken to a satellite and it's revealed that he was not actually killed by Eve, as we might have suspected, but instead sent to a different dimension or timeline. And it's probably the cyborg dimension, because we do end up seeing Robo-Robotnik appearing on the screen, revealing that he uploaded his memories to the satellite as a last-ditch effort. He apparently had other plans for this space station, but was forced to make this as he ended up roboticizing himself in the final battle with Sonic.
1: I think this meant to be like a different Robo-Robotnik, given like that one was like still active and dealt with his version of the Cyborg, uh, cyborg Freedom Fighters.
0: Yeah. Weird. It's still but. drawn in the same weird Vantablack way that... Right. Robo-Robotnik was, which is why I was thinking it was a cyborg dimension. Yeah, it's a little weird. Robotnik is sent back to his own dimension by Robo-Robotnik basically just fucking around and finding out. (laughs) We cut back to our Sonic and their friends trying to figure out what the fuck to do now that Robotnik's gone, trying to basically clean up, and they wonder, what is Snively planning now that he's basically the one survivor... And we reveal, cutting to Snively, he doesn't know, he's just (laughs) completely hopeless without Robotnik. (laughs) And he ends up exclaiming in his helplessness that Sonic has finally won it all, accidentally tripping up a code phrase, activating Robotnik's intended post-mortem last-ditch effort, sending a final set of SWAT bots and spiked-up steamrollers to basically absolutely destroy mobius under the guise of if he can't have it no one can robotnik finally arrives in his universe and shuts down the robots after scolding snively and uses the moment to torment sonic taunting him that he was the one who saved the day this time he promises the two will fight again another day i really like this story honestly yeah this is another good one. Like a really solid follow-up to the last
1: issue, and I really just love the way it handles Robotnik in this. It's we're. It feels like we're starting to see like the more modern Robotnik, the one that like, uh, like a lot more. if actually does have some like. Uh, like, wisdom to him is not, like, it's not just for show, like, he, he, uh, actually knows what he's doing and has plans and is actually, like, menacing. I just love the way Spaziante draws him in this. And the, especially, with, like, the first part, like, both of the, like, the menacing, uh, Robo Robotnik and Robotnik himself, like, he's very expressive in, like, this very, like, men, like, comically menacing way. Like, it's, it's still that kind of, like, creepy, like, uh, Sadie M. Design, but like there's still like kind of a comedicness to his appearance.
0: Yeah, there's more of a, like a cartoonish maniacality to yeah, it. Like yeah. it's definitely. Something you would just see in promotional arts, and be like, "I want to get that game, ma," <laughs> yeah. and all that. I love his speech to Robo Robotnik, giving
1: him like uh, some motivation right before he returns to his home universe. Yeah, it's really good. As well as Robotnik, like his entrance of like busting in and blasting the uh, SWAT bots uh, as they're like because they're like a uh, destroying everything, inclu- including Robotnik himself.
0: Well, they're trying to destroy Snively, but Robotnik comes in to destroy them. Yeah,
1: and him, like, having the last laugh against Sonic, that he's the one that's saved him in the Freedom Fighter's ass. Like, I love this. Like, these were, like, surprisingly good stories for what we've been in, like, so far. Like, it's like, alright, like, meh. Like, this is, like
0: damn good like uh, a yeah, no really good stories and you know what isn't a really good story <laughs> the next one tales, tales is night, nighttime dude. story <laughs> sally reads tales a bedtime story about sir run lot trying to teach him that being a hero is hard work <laughs> and it's okay to just be a kid <laughs> and enjoy life tales does not listen if we spend more than five minutes on this story i'm actually going to fucking kill you is what i wrote down <laughs> All I
1: say say is, I thought it was a kind of funny story, but very jarringly placed, like... I I guess it was just, like, a page filler. Like, it just felt a little jarring after, like, uh, this very dramatic return of
0: Robotnik. It's like I was theorizing earlier, because this story was what made me think about it, is that it's definitely because they're writing stories in parallel at this point, to make deadlines. At least that's what my theory is. Mm. And so it's just a matter of... Because, like, they, many times, like, details will just be confused and on, Like, Sally and Sonic's relationship, or, like, mm. Sally's vest. At one point, she's wearing it, but at another point, she's shown to be, like, putting it on for the first time. Yeah. And so I just feel like these stories are probably written in parallel, and we're still hitting the transitionary period of serious and silly... And, like, this is probably the final moments of being silly and all that, which is interesting to think about. Like, this might be the last episode of, like, goofy, episodic, dumb shit stories, and that's fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Some kid dyed their hair to match knuckles. I thought you were going to say, some kid died. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit! It's the kid... It's like uh, the Nguyen person who punched a kid in the nose. They were dead afterwards. <laughs> um, Tails is confirmed to be five years old, which is just what? I think that was like,
1: I feel like that was what he was at least considered to be in an Adventures. And it might have been Sadie M as well. Because I remember like, both of those are very like young, like uh, Tails. Like, I feel like around Cream's age is probably like what he would have been in those cartoons.
0: I just don't know why you would have a five-year-old fight an evil dictator. I know it's a kid's story, but also that's just kind of ridiculous to me. <laughs> um Some baby keeps saying gag-gog instead of hedgehog, and I thought that was amusing. But then we get into issue 23, Ro- Ivo Robotnik Freedom Fighter, which is also referred to in some places as Dr. Robotnik Freedom Fighter. Rotor has an ant farm now, and some of the ants get stuck in Sonic's shoe because feet. Heck. Robotnik and Snively uh. are maniacally planning some evil scheme when what is described as an umbilical vacuum ends up yeah. sucking up the Freedom Fighters Robotnik and... And snively. Fun fact: back,
1: back the umbilical vacuum. Apparently, that's a, another reference to Mystery Science Theater. The I believe it's the umbilicus is like something from like a like a the satellite in Mystery Science Theater. Like, another weird nod to that uh, series.
0: <laughs> Makes sense. It's just weird. Yeah, I we can't get in- it either up <laughs> the first time through. I had to look. I looked it up on the wiki and saw that they're all captured by a giant alien robot thing announcing themselves to be Karheem, a collector from the planet Wee! <sighs> Karheem intends to keep the group as pets, studying them and learning more about them. Robotic again forms a temporary truce to help get themselves out of the situation and they end up ejecting Karheem and Sonic in an airlock. Because Sonic fakes being dead to get Karheem's attention, and Robotnik is content with just killing Karheem and Sonic when the other freedom fighters step in, announce that they're above killing, which basically confirms from the earlier episode that they wouldn't just shoot Sonic with a growth ray and have him step on Robotnik as much as using that would have made everything so much easier. yeah. Um, and then once the Freedom Fighters bring Karim and Sonic back, he learns to not treat species different to his own, as they say it, as inferior, and vows to instead just collect comic books. Rotor frees his ant farm, and the ants just uh, attack the Freedom Fighters. It's a fucking for forgettable story. Yeah.
1: I, care I hate I
0: hate this trope. I hate the trope of uh, some higher power alien keeps the main cast as pets. I just never cared yeah. for it. Every time I see it in a cartoon, I think it's like a- I wrote down. I can't believe I just want more Penders.
1: <laughs> like wasn't this a Penders written story?
0: Was it Gallagher? <sighs>
1: oh no, it's Angelo
0: Desossari. De- De- where it is? I so. a- mean, look, and Angelo Cesare, Yeah, it's yeah. not a Gallagher one. It's because at this point. Uh, Gallagher, as we mentioned in previous one, was basically getting to be phased out as one of the mm. writers. Yeah, so it's just Angelo Penders, uh, the other Mike that worked along, uh, Kantorovic right. and I believe Spaziante also does some scripts here and there. Mm. Yeah, I didn't. It's really just care. forgettable. I it was
1: okay. I got some funny lines, I suppose, but like. Again, like we're still like in the the growing pains of Archie Sonic. And I, I don't really care for these kind of plots either. Like I, I think it's like based off, like I feel like it's based after like a uh, some sci-fi movie. Like it's a, probably it's just like a pretty another oh, stock standard plot with the characters dropped in like. The whole thing with like Ivo pretending to be a freedom fighter is kind of funny, like him having to yeah, take it's the, the freedom own.
0: fighter's vow. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. otherwise, it's like, Eh. Uh. We do get the winners of the Sonic story for where you had to write in your own text, and I, I mean, they're okay, written they're by kids. But I did like how one kid had to yeah. redraw the entire thing in crayon, presumably because their mom wouldn't let them tear out the pages. <laughs> I did, but I think I. I don't know, I feel like that. At least he got first place,
1: but I don't know. Like that's pretty impressive that the kid like pretty much copied like the whole uh, story and like did like kept like uh, mostly like uh, got all intact and while well, adding his own dialogue to it. Like at least
0: he got first yeah. place, though. So. <laughs> it was amusing. We yeah. do learn in the next issue that there was some other winners who apparently moved and did not send a forwarding address, oh. and so they were unable to receive their prizes. Aww, that sucks. And then we get one final story, the ball and ear. Tails lost his backpack on admission, and inside of the backpack was a power ring given to him by Sonic. Antoine opts to go on his own to retrieve the backpack, but Bunny Rabot tags along in the shadows to make sure he doesn't get into trouble. We have Antoine getting into antics, up to and including almost get, getting run over by a bad nick car that looks like it came <laughs> out of Roger Rabbit, <laughs> and then we end up having them retrieve the backpack, come back, and it's implied that Antoine and Bunny might have feelings for each other, and yeah. I don't get it at all.
1: Yeah, it's, I, like, I remember, was like a, I think that, like, Bunny had, like, a passing line in her introduction, but, like, it was it was weird to see, like, it kind of came out of nowhere, I, like, I get, like, from a conceptual point of, like, the, like, country gal, like, the rough and tough t- uh, country gal and the, like, prim and popper, like, pompous dude. Like, it's a it's a cute concept, but it just feels just weird. Especially when, like, an earlier issue was implying Antoine was crushing on Sally and, like, would be been, like, a love triangle with Sonic over it. But that got dropped immediately, I suppose. It's
0: just weird i don't care much for it but then we get into the final issue of this arc and of this episode issue 24 single story when hedgehogs collide sonic kicks the shit out of hamlin like he deserves sally pushes a (laughs) random squirrel mobian into a river robot Antoine fucking runs over a dog. <laughs>
1: it cracked me up. He like uh, ends up hitting his app, this dog, apple cart, and realizes that like he uh, ran him over, and then goes back to like flame into him again on
0: purpose. <laughs> it cracked me up. <laughs> Rotor destroys a local <laughs> shop and Tails just throws tomatoes (laughs) at a turtle. We rewind time to reveal that it's evil Sonic back at it again who might be into polyamory because he at his desk because he just has a base with the others and it's like an office basically (laughs) has like character plus character heart notes like carved in and there's Sonic plus Sally Sonic plus Bunny Sonic plus Nicole, and Sonic plus Sonic, and so, I don't know what to deal I, with this information. Is Evil Sonic polyamorous? Is I, Evil Sonic into Celsest <laughs> Is Evil Sonic a robot fucker?
1: I was gonna say, like, I would assume, like, it was evil, like, him, like, pining after the girls, or, like, them being, like, his, like, past love or something, and, like, his current love is himself, I guess. Like, like he just has an ego for his own, like fun, like in love with he, with the good version of Sonic.
0: <laughs> I, I just want to know what evil Nicole is. I hope they're just like a very. I hope they're just a Nokia with angry eyebrows. Honestly,
1: <laughs> they got a lever coat on too. <laughs> <laughs> the little coat has the little uh, phone has its own lever coat.
0: We <laughs> need to draw that yeah yeah definitely that'll be for the thumbnail yeah, um, yes. and so evil sonic and the evil freedom fighters end up coming up with a plan they'll go to the cosmic interstate and tarnish the reputation of our sonic and friends cut back to the present day we have the sonic the hedgehog title card but it's, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. Everyone, walk up your kids and women. And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> um, Sonic and his friends are confused as to what's going on, but quickly suspect that people are posing as them to tarnish their reputation. They stage a plan to lure out these imposters by dressing as Romani to lure the fake Sonic yeah. into an ambush... And the evil Sonic straight up uses the G-slur to refer to them. And I thought I was losing my absolute mind because I thought I was making a mountain out of a molehill with the Witch Doctor bit in the miniseries. Like, it was bad then, but I didn't know that it could get way worse. And I do know some... Actually, way worse moments later. Yeah. I've unfortunately been spoiled on some things, but also I did not realize that they straight up had the Freedom Fighters dress up as Romani and a- actually straight up be referred to with the G slur, the G word. Yeah, because
1: I I don't know how that like was kept along for so long given that apparently is a slur. Like, I don't know. I really don't know much about the Romani people and the history of that word. I just know that it is a very inappropriate word to refer to them as. And it's how many Western works tended to refer to them or and portray them. I mean, it's just, a, just, just such a confusing choice. Like, I, I just hasn't be old people or something. Why did you have to I know don't know. That?
0: I don't fucking know. But anyway, they just defeat their evil doppelgangers. They try and fight them, like, one-to-one, like, Sonic v. Sonic and all that doesn't work out, and they decide, okay, let's change partners. And we get a panel of Sonic punching the shit out of Sally, and I thought, holy shit, that's insane. Yeah, it's...
1: Normally, I wouldn't hit a lady, but you're
0: no lady, lady. Like, fucking hell. And so they defeat everyone and it's just whatever, we do get another massive bombshell as an offhand comment because with our Sonic and Freedom Fighters they come back from Rotor's time-space matter projector having gone into the negative dimensions to try and find King Acorn who at this point has always been mentioned as just being nowhere to be found. We don't know his fate. But at this point, we just casually offhand mention that he was exiled by Robotnik into the zone of silence. And so they're trying to cross dimensions to find him. And I... What?
1: Yeah, that caught me off guard, too. I was assuming this whole time, Like if if he's not roboticized, then he's at least held prisoner somewhere in Robotnik's Robotropolis. I did not have... Any clue about the zone of silence that he it was sent into that I don't think was ever brought up it beforehand.
0: And like, the, like the at very, this point, yeah, it's just... The
1: very few times... At this point, uh, it's
0: just, like, we don't know where he is. He's just missing. We don't know. Right. It's...
1: It's fucking weird. Bizarre. Like, it's interesting, but, like... Again, one of those things I really wish they set up beforehand. Yeah, like,
0: Definitely. And one last thing of note, one last final Sonic-gram to mention because I am just (laughs) blessed that every time we finish a batch of reading, because we did this in episode three in one batch, and so I was blessed with one final insane Sonic-gram from Jimmy Rafferty, St. Louis... Oh, no. What is M.O.? Uh... And, uh, uh, I, I literally Miss- th- wouldn't it be Missouri wouldn't that be M-I oh I know because Mississippi uh, no, you- no no it, I think it is Missouri yeah it looks like okay. it is Missouri we don't know states here a-
1: again I'm not good at geography I've never been despite like despite having to literally memorize every
0: state and its capital
1: yeah but from
0: Jimmy and also having
1: like a uh, <laughs> I was gonna say I also had one of those like state map uh, placemats as yeah. a kid.
0: <laughs> from Jimmy Rafferty from St. Louis, Missouri, dear Knuckles, you're the greatest of them all. I love Sonic and Knuckles for Genesis. I wish you would make a game where you send Rope Bughead out of this universe. I oh, made yeah. a char- right. I made up a character named Trans Knuckles. If you want to meet him, come to my house Saturday between the hours of two p m and four pm Well, all I've got to say is Cho. Yeah, I remember
1: reading that one too, like I caught my eye when I was like finishing up the con- like, What the fuck is what's trans knuckles like- and why why can you only learn about it at this specific
0: time? I assume that's <laughs> like when the kid No, I said I was gonna say wanna get out of like school and before dinner, but I don't know. It just read like they're trying to kidnap the editor. Like, Scott, don't go to meet trans knuckles, it's not gonna go well. It's such a it's another just weird
1: ass I can not transnuck was probably trans-dimensional, but it's still just it caught me off guard the first time we were like, transnuck the
0: fuck? It was really good. But anyway, <laughs> that's the bash, and so we move in through the cosmic interstate into the cross-dimensional <laughs> opinion zone. I thought this was really good. uh, It's probably my favorite batch up until now. And at this point, Mm -hmm. I think I conclusively have, like, favorite issues being 21 and 22. Like, I mentioned it earlier, but I do feel like issue 20 is the turning point where I'm starting to actually just unironically enjoy these issues rather than just, like, with the very beginning in episode one, where it's like... At first, I just felt like I was losing my mind, but then I just turned my brain off and just enjoyed it for the goofy episodic fun it was. And then, like, in the first half of the, this batch, I was like, yeah, it's alright, but you could definitely tell, like, there's some weird issues with trying to change tone and all that. But I do feel like at this point, they are finally hitting their stride and, like, starting to actually make things interesting. Like, we are at the, like, the ground zero. Of Sonic Archie becoming what everyone knows Sonic Archie to be. Like, we're not hitting, like, absolute Pender's insanity. Like, I'm fearing that we will one day hit, and I'm terrified, but, like, we're actually hitting the point mm-hmm. where it's starting to have a story, and that's what I'm really excited, honestly.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm kind of the same boat as you. Like, I. Well, I still feel like there is, like, some weird, like, bumpy transition, like, from comedy to uh, action drama with these, like, uh, last few issues of the batch. Like, even with these, like, the weaker stories, like, I still find them kind of funny. Like, there's still some points that got, like, some genuine laughs out of me, which is a lot more that I can say for when we started this off, where I was just getting so bored, like, quickly flipping through the pages during my first read-through to try and just get these over with and hopefully get to something more interesting. I'm thankful that, like, things are starting to pick up now. Yeah, light at the end of tunnel and all that. Yeah, I just wish that the Sally stuff was... Better. ...gripped me more, because, like, I'm glad that we're... Like, they're more dramatic, like, they're not bad stories, but it's just hard for me to get invested when this hasn't really been set up until this point. Like I said... Sally just was kind of the team girl, and her princess, uh, like, status just felt like an afterthought at, uh, during those, like, first couple issues. So it just, I didn't really feel much, like, during the first story, and the second story was just, the proper miniseries was just kind of okay. Mm hmm. But, yeah, the, the, Two part, like I considered like a two part story of like the Eve fight and Robotnik's return. If my like, like on the one hand, like I feel like it is kind of like a bit disappointing that they immediately bring him back as soon as it makes yeah, it seem like that too. he's dead. But at the same time, the way they bring him back just gives him as the presence that I kind of that I love in Robotnik or Eggman, where he just feels like a hammy like. A megalomaniac that with a strong sense of pride and evil in him that I just love in like uh the games. Absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. And also Spaziante's art is just re- like, for at least like these early issues, like you know he's still like starting out. It is I feel like a breath of fresh air compared to like Dave Manek's like c- uh, cartoony style, which is all right and. Art Mawinney's, which just feels really stiff and, like, I wish I could find a better adjective to it, but it just feels very, like,
0: stiff and... Rigid, yeah.
1: Like you you said, like, when regarding the Rookies, like, they they feel like anti-drug PSA cartoon critters with just how generic they look, even compared to, like, the more cartoony designs of the Freedom Fighters next to Sonic and Friends. They do not feel like they even belong in the same story as Jeffrey and uh, Sally, Absolutely. Sally especially just, even Jeffrey feels a little jarring next to Sally in at least Winnie style
0: but that's gonna do it for this episode of Title Pendering <laughs> tune in next time where we deal with four or five specials, another mini-series Knack from the PS4 game Because it's spelled with a K As it was promised in one of Sonic Rams Mecha Sonic But not that one And yeah. the debut <laughs> The debut Of art From Ken Penders himself Oh no I actually didn't realize That was coming so soon They said it in the, oh no. they said it in the Sonic Rams. Stay Pendering, oh Penderheads. Yeah, like... Gotta choose はぁ… <笑><笑>